This is Government Gone Digital. Welcome to our listeners, and thanks for joining us for our second podcast in our new series, Government Gone Digital. I'm Dana Birchman, Chief Digital Officer here in Gilbert, Arizona. I'm joined again today by our town manager, Patrick Banger. Today's topic is focused on embracing technology and not letting procedures and policies get in the way. But this is government, Patrick. Isn't it all about policies? We invented the word policies, it feels like, <laughs> on some days. You know, the nature of what government does... Um, we create rules to create norms in society for people living, working, interacting with each other in such a close proximity. There needs to be rules. There needs to be laws to maintain order and, and to let people know what's, what's allowed and what isn't allowed. And that flows through that mentality and that mindset, I think, flows through to our organizations as well. There's a lot of um, areas that they're there for very good reasons, such as uh, uh, transparency for tightness around financial controls and, and proper expenditures of the tax dollars uh, since we are um, here and we exist to provide services for our residents. But that can sometimes um, follow through in, in ways that create hurdles, create uh, internal bureaucracy and, and, and red tape and getting things done. So yeah, our, our rules around government really hasn't understood how to embrace technology, and sometimes um, we create rules that actually inhibit the embracing of technology and, and social media as opposed to fostering it. I would agree. I think when I came here, that was one of the my first government job that I had um, here and realized that there were you know, a lot of policies, personnel rules, things that were getting in the way of us being innovative. And so one of the things I hear the most when I talk to counterparts from other cities is, um, you know, well, how do you do that? I have a policy that says we can't watch YouTube um, in the office or my IT department blocks Facebook and we're not allowed to look at those websites and so forth. And I think in order to be successful in the realm of digital government, especially, you have to have policies that are, you know, definitely more accepting of using social media, but not um, obviously letting it be abused. So I wanted to talk a little bit about, because I think this is kind of at the very beginning of step one when you're creating a digital communications department, is taking a look at, you know, what are what is the organizational philosophy or the policies behind why people can or cannot visit certain websites, look at video on their computers and so forth. So talk to me a little bit about when you came to Gilbert, to the organization five years ago and wanted to hire a chief digital officer. You look around and and was the organization going to be open to that? No, simply. Exactly. (laughs) And I think that's how most other managers or in organizations feel as well. Agreed. I think that it all stems from a lack of understanding of what this technology, what these social media platforms um, can do for the residents. And, and that lack of understanding then uh, in breeds the, the creation of rules that, well, you, you, what does YouTube have to do with, with serving a resident? So, you know, no going to YouTube uh, during working hours and, and we'll just block it and we'll block Facebook and we'll block, we'll block everything because they don't fundamentally understand why it's important and why our residents could benefit from employees embracing technology. So I think that's step one is you really have to take the time to educate uh, your uh, staff on 
why it's beneficial for uh, the town to be creating content for YouTube and getting that to YouTube, why uh, staff should be monitoring some YouTube channels within their community from uh, things coming from school districts, things coming from businesses. These are the, the institutions and the people we're here to serve, and the better we understand them, the better we can serve them, and you can apply that basic mindset to just about any of the channels that are out there. One of the things I always encourage all my executives to do is create LinkedIn profiles, and, and they may not understand uh, why, do I, why do I need a LinkedIn profile? I'm, I'm not looking for a job. Well, LinkedIn isn't a, a job search um, platform. It's a uh, professional business platform is how I always look at it, and I've made a lot of connections with leaders that um, relationships developed and ensued to the benefit of the town, and I first connected with them through LinkedIn. And so, again, that, that educational process of this is why we should be embracing this. This is why we should be encouraging our employees. But there's a right and a wrong way to do that, obviously. And, and uh, you can't watch Netflix to catch up on uh, whatever your favorite what? show is <laughs> uh. during during the week. That is not here. Just That does not serve the, the, the to the benefit of our residents. But there's a lot of things that do. And so that 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 understanding is where you have to at least start. Well, I remember when you talked about the LinkedIn profile and people were like, does he want us looking for jobs on you know, our lunch break? And no, he wants you connecting with people. And, and again, I think some of the fear that government agencies in general have about embracing technology, um, it's kind of runs rampant. And so I always like to talk about changing the mindset because it's celebrating social media instead of being afraid of it. Because people will often say, well, I want to be on Facebook, but I'm nervous about, you know, what the haters are going to say or the naysayers, the people that don't like our community or have complaints. And I always say, I could count on one hand how many of those exist, but really the majority of people are thrilled when you're just responsive to them and you're interacting with them and you're answering their questions or fixing their problems. And I think it's such a powerful customer service tool, especially with social media. But when I came here, the first thing I had to do was meet with attorneys and develop policies so that we could allow people to use it. And it was really an interesting process because they were wanting to be prohibitive. And for me, it was, no, you know, we want it, you know, kind of liken it to de minimis use of e personal email. So you don't want someone on their Gmail all day checking their personal email, but occasionally they could be using it. We always talk about how we want our employees to be our brand advocates, our ambassadors for what we're doing. We want them sharing on our social networks, their social networks, all the great things we're doing. But that wasn't met with great enthusiasm for our employees. So I think we're fearful about what social media can do. Talk to me about what you're, and I think, again, this coming from the top down, which we've talked about in our previous episode, how it's so important that um, policies like this or social media strategies or digital government strategies have support from the top down to be successful. Talk to me about why this was an area of importance and you really gave me the freedom to use and embrace social media. And why was that so important to you? You know, it was important. You, you said several things um, that I want to pick up upon. One of those is Facebook and, and people on Facebook, I'm afraid of what kind of comments I'm going to get back, what they're going to say. The thing is, they're, they are feeling those things and they're saying those things right now. Um, just in person or in the community, and if you're not aware of them and you can't address them, you're never going to change that mindset. And so by giving them and utilizing a tool like Facebook and allowing them to express their feelings, 
hopefully it's an opportunity for us to now engage in a dialogue with that resident and, and maybe dispel a, a misconception they have or maybe to fix a problem they've got. But by avoiding it, it's just like avoiding tough conversations. You'll never solve the problem if you never have the conversation. That's really what these, these social media platforms do for us. And so when you think about um, town attorneys and, and town managers who like prohibiting, like creating policies to prohibit things, it's like any other tool that we use in the service and, and delivery of our jobs. If you're not allowed to misuse it. If, if we're using a town car for something, it's got to be for town business, um, not for personal business. If I'm using my town cell phone, it's for town business, not my personal phone calls. This is no different. If you're utilizing Facebook, if you're utilizing LinkedIn, if you're utilizing YouTube, it needs to be for town business. But this this mindset and government of just well you know you're not allowed to get on YouTube you know eight to five Monday through Friday restrictive we don't understand in the ways we're tying our own hands behind our backs and our ability to effectively do our job in communicating with our residents and getting information from our residents we need to be embracing it and we need to start with training and education and understanding and really understanding the value that we can harness. Um, for our community, and again, a very low-cost way. And, and you talked about our employees being our brand ambassadors. They are, and the especially the employees at the lowest levels of the organization. They're the ones who interact with and touch our residents the most, and they are all brand ambassadors for Gilbert, Arizona. And so we need to embrace that, not, not run away from it or shy away from it. I agree completely. We manage more than 25 social channels, and across the organization, police, fire, the mayor, um, your channels, you're very active. You were named one of the top managers on Twitter in the country. Very cool. And I think, you know, it is time consuming. It takes a lot of work. You have to find what voice you are for each channel that you have. And um, I don't think people quite understand the complexity of social and then also that it's 24-7. So if a resident does have a question, they expect an answer. And so you need to be answering them at 2 a.m. or you need to be answering them in the middle of the workday. And so it's quite time consuming. And I often tell other cities who are looking to go down this path, yes, you need the right policies in place to protect yourself or your organization, but not prohibit. Um, but also that know that this is going to be very time consuming um, to manage these channels. I think about when we first got up and running on Facebook when I first started here and I came, our mayor wasn't on Twitter, as you know, Mayor Lewis, he was probably the only mayor in the Phoenix Valley metro area that wasn't on Twitter. And that changed quickly. By the end of his term, he was speaking in hashtags, we always say. Um, but one of the stories that I always tell is a parent who took his son to the water tower in our downtown area. We have a little splash pad underneath the water tower um, and very popular area, especially in the summer. And a dad took his son and, and his son didn't wear water shoes. And his son was, um, toe was caught in the grate underneath one of the um, drains. And sure enough, they put a message on. We sent someone from our Parks and Recreation Department out to fix the problem quickly. We wrote on Facebook instantly, we'll get someone out there right away. The person was very responsive. Um, then we said the problem has been fixed. We apologize. And then the dad took onus on himself and said, no problem. I really appreciate it. Next time I'll be sure my son wears water shoes. And that was something that had started with, I would say, maybe a little bit of a negative tone and quickly turned into this positive experience that we had with our residents. And again, I often tell people, even if you don't have an answer, just say, we're working on it. We'll look into it. We'll get back to it. And our residents are so appreciative that they're 
there's someone on the other end. And so I think for a lot of organizations, they really should take a hard look at how to harness that customer service piece we're always talking about. And I think most government agencies are. How do you communicate with your residents? How do you, you know, it's not calling in anymore or sending an email. Now, really, social media is the place to do that. But again, you can't have restrictive policies that aren't going to allow staff members to be responding to resident questions or inquiries. Absolutely, Dana. You know, you also touched upon something that I wanted to take a a moment to expound upon. The uh, technology, mobile applications, mobile phones, the smartphone, iPads, it has social media channels. It has opened up our communities and our world like nothing else ever has in, in allowing opportunities for connections and communication and interaction. And it's an amazing thing. But it's more than just creating a mobile application. It's more than just having a social media channel. It, it, it's, there has to be that human element to it. There has to be that responsiveness. You talked about you know, the, the need to respond at 2 a.m., the need to be very quick in responding to a father or a child who had an incident at one of our recreational facilities. Um, if you don't do that, if you just throw up a Facebook page and you let it be stagnant or you have a Twitter account and you don't really post that much or you don't respond to things, there's no value in that. It, it's just like anything else that you buy and then you don't use. So you not only have to understand the technology and the platforms, but you have to then use them. You have to bring that human element of responsiveness, of quality services to our residents to harness the full value out of it. And I think a lot of organizations uh, who have started down this path um, haven't taken it all the way. They, they'll throw up a Twitter channel and then they don't really do much with it. They'll put up a Facebook page and they don't do much with it. You're not going to get the value out of that. No, there's a ton of strategy behind it. And like I said, a lot of work 24-7. In fact, we're probably one of the first cities to get a dedicated social media person. We're in the process of hiring that position now. So that's really exciting. And we really um, have built the need for it. There's other areas of social that we're not even really participating in. I would say we, you know, Snapchat strategy and so forth. And you look around at other cities and other cities aren't as well, but we tend to like to be on the forefront um, definitely when it comes to all things social. And so I think it's really important. Every time you turn around, there's a new channel you have to be on, but you need to have um, the types of policies in place that allow for that to happen and, and get your like I said, your employees, your brand advocates excited about what's happening in the organization they're working for, pride in where they're living, um, sharing that a new business is coming. Um, all of this is so important to you know the work that we do um, from a PR perspective and again to attracting businesses. And, and you know, like we said, every time you turn around, I think um, you mentioned we have a new accolade, um, something to share and talk about. And there is no better way for our residents to be sharing those accolades with others than through social media. And we find that with Facebook, Twitter, um, Instagram, we've been holding contests and so forth. But we wouldn't be able to do that if we didn't have, again, the buy-in from the top down and the right policies in place. So what advice would you give um, to other managers You know, when they want to start? Where, where do you even start with something like this? I mean, when your attorneys are saying, you know, no, we you know, can't have that or no, we're blocked on YouTube and Talk about how, because I think one of the things that you do really well is empower your IT director and your other directors to be supportive of efforts like this. Um, that's not very common. So maybe give me a little bit more on your philosophy around, you know, why you feel that way about social media. Sure. I think any organization, if they went back to the policies they have, if they went back to their communi- communications department and 
the underlying service model they have, why it's been established, what they hope to achieve with it. They'll find the reason for embracing this right there. It's about communication with our residents and our businesses. Social media and the new technology is just a more effective way to do that. Um, but it's still that same basic underlying principle. It's just now, you talked about Mayor Lewis before uh, when he got here and before we'd created the, the digital office. He didn't have a Twitter account. And, you know, by now I think we created a monster. He's probably one of the most active people <laughs> on Twitter. Exactly. But you know, you think about, so you, the mayor of your community and, and our uh, chief elected official, and he creates that vision. He sets the, the blueprint of where we want going to go and what we hope to achieve. But most people probably will never get the, the opportunity to meet their mayor in person. Uh, if you did, it's because you came to a council meeting or you saw him at a ribbon cutting for a business or a new park. But you don't really get to know him. You don't get to hear from him. You don't get to interact with him. And now through Twitter, through Facebook, for others, everybody gets the opportunity to know their mayor, know their elected officials know their, their top appointed staff. For better or worse. For, for better or for worse, absolutely. Better for me, worse for you. <laughs> um, but but it's that it's that enabler. And, and so, again, going back to your policies for communication, what do you hope to achieve? This is going to allow you to achieve it to a much greater degree than you ever could under those old channels, those old formats. Um, and that's something that people really fundamentally need to understand. Start from the basis what do you want to achieve? And then look at what are those next steps to doing that. And it's got to start with the right person, the right vision, the right background, the right skills, and then that digital roadmap that we created, that blueprint, and then you know build up towards that, that fully um, developed platform so that you are uh, communicating across a variety of channels and channels that are right for community. You mentioned there's always a new platform that's out there, and you have to experiment with them and see which one's uh, resonate with your community and, and get uh, uh, interactions and responses and which ones don't and, and drop the ones that don't. There's always a new one coming down the, the block, it feels like. But um, start with your policies and what you want to achieve and then build it from there. Awesome. I know when I talk to other cities about you know where they're putting their video content, a lot of them will say, oh, I'm just creating content for our local cable channel. They're not even putting their content on YouTube or sharing it natively on social. And so we're going to get into that a lot in a lot more detail as we continue this podcast, but I think that's another really important point is, um, again, that connection with residents and how we're, you know, relating. So what advice, again, would you give to managers who are looking to do this? So where, you know, where would they start if they were, you know, looking to create a digital communications department or encourage their staff and employees to be active on social media? Sure. You know, one of the things, and, and it seems like there's never enough time to do everything you'd like to do. Uh, one of the things uh, that I need to do and I'd like to do is get more involved with our state organization. I'm on the board now for the Arizona City County Management Association, ACMA, but um, state agencies like that, organizations like that could create uh, clearinghouses of information and, and resources and where to go to. Um, so that more governments at least knew where's the first step where I could go to get pointed in the right direction. But for my fellow managers out there, um, I would encourage them to try to 
uh, locate governments such as I did when, when I was looking at New York City and what Mayor Bloomberg was doing. I was looking at a lot of cities at the time. I was looking at Code for America, which was just getting underway back then, and what they were doing and trying to get a feel for, you know, who do I believe is uh, embracing technology to communicate with residents and businesses in the most effective manner on the most effective platforms. And, and that's what brought me to, to New York City and, and their chief digital officer, Rachel Hope, and Mayor Bloomberg. Um, but I would encourage them to, to look out there and see who they believe is doing it best and, and doing it in a manner that would be right for their community. Wonderful. Well, I think that's it for today. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen to our second podcast. And as I mentioned at the beginning of this one, this entire series will be focused on, as the title says, Government Gone Digital. Until next time, be sure to engage with us on social media. You can follow us at Gilbert Yourtown on Twitter and Instagram and like us at Gilbert Town Hall on Facebook. Check out our videos at gilbertaz.gov backslash YouTube. And if you have questions or comments for us, use the hashtag GovGoneDigital. We look forward to having you follow along on this journey with us as we watch government communications transform together. We'll see you next time from Gilbert, Arizona on Government Gone Digital. Gone Digital.